This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, it's time for our last podcast for Port Charlotte, which means we're almost at the end of spring training, and that clap you hear is from none other than Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times, because by the time we release this, he will probably have finished all of his work for the special section, or at least we hope that's the case. Mark, thanks very much for a few minutes as usual. Yeah, we better hope that's the case. So you may hear from Mike Sherman asking, what was I doing <laughs> spending time on your podcast when I should have been writing? So we'll see. Now, always good to talk with you, Neil. And yeah, we are wrapping it up. Sunday's uh, Tampa Bay Times and online TampaBay.com by the weekend will be chock full with uh, baseball preview, Rays preview stuff. A lot about the opener. John Romano's in there. Uh, Martin Fenley's in there. Ed Encina's in there. And I got a few things as well. And we look forward to reading all of that as we've looked forward to reading all of your work during the course of this spring. I guess down the stretch we come. Um, as we speak, the Rays have 40 players in camp. It may be lower by the time this airs, but um, there haven't been any major surprises to this point. I guess the big question will be, will Matt Duffy be able to make it by opening day? There's a possibility of seeing him back in games on Thursday. Yeah, and the Rays have two games, I think, on Thursday, right? So maybe he could play in them both, just jump right back in here. Now, of course, they'll be cautious at handling him. But, yeah, I, I think you, know, you, as I, are probably getting the same sense of optimism from Kevin Cash on this, that if there's not another setback, you know, kind of tradition be damned. And if Matt Duffy ends up playing in three spring training games for the whole spring, good enough, he's going to go. He may change the outlook for every veteran player who's going to start talking about wanting to go on the Duffy plan. But, you know, if he plays Thursday, realistically, you know, he'd probably get Friday off. Saturday's a long trip to Lakeland. I don't know if he'd play or not there. Minor league games? Uh, you know, minor league games. Sunday, they're playing in Northport on a new field. You got a guy with a hamstring issue. I don't know if you want to play him there. Uh, you know, Monday, Clearwater, Tuesday at the Trop. So I think you'll see Matt Duffy a couple of times, but I don't think he's going to play a heck of a lot. I think he still could be ready for opening day. Well, Corey Seager is a guy who, what Dave Roberts with the Dodgers said, he's going to be ready opening day over the weekend, and he hadn't played in a single game. So he had one less than Matt Duffy. So I guess, I mean, we're starting to see a little more of this, less bullets being used by regular players, and they say they're ready. Yeah, you know, Kevin Cash has always said this in all the years that, you know, we've known him, not just as a manager here, but I think even go back before that, you know, and many others do have this perspective also, Neil, that spring training is really about getting the pitchers ready. And if there was a way, and maybe there will be a way, because there's so many other things that we didn't think there was a way to do where they start bringing the pitchers in, you know, two weeks before they start bringing in the major league players or something, rather than just those four or five days and, and use minor leaguers to, to stand in while the pitchers get ready because it's definitely too long for the position players and it may be too long for some of the pitchers, but I think the average pitcher probably does need the six weeks. And probably more the traditional starting pitchers more than anything else because they have to get stretched out as we get stretched out with these podcasts. And speaking of, Charlie Morton was the first race pitcher to go five innings in a game. He looked really fabulous uh, on Monday against the Pittsburgh Pirates. He did, and if you wanted to have a hot take for spring training, it would be Charlie Morton's good because he certainly showed that on that game on Monday. And 
you know, just really effective, efficient, uh, moved the game quickly, which I think the people doing it on radio and writing about it were happy about. And talked to him afterward, you know, he's just very humble, as we've heard. And, you know, we'll certainly grow to learn as we get to know him a little better going into the season. But, you know, through strikes, had all of his pitches working. He's got five pitches, I think, and he had them all working. So, you know, it was a good glimpse at what a very effective Charlie Morton can be like and, and the reason that the Rays made that investment uh, that they did. You know, a two-year, $30 million contract, $15 million annual salary, the highest you know, any Rays player has ever received. And for good reason. They needed a second sure thing in that rotation behind Blake Snell, and they feel like they have it in Charlie Morton. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, we get back to the, the uh, Matt Duffy, which has really been the injury. The Rays kind of avoided we think is an injury between Austin Meadows and Kevin Kiermaier and that slight collision in the outfield. Uh, fingers crossed on that. Um, but I think that uh, from a position player standpoint, if Matt Duffy doesn't get a lot of reps, so be it, but they also can, they're so flexible that they don't need to play him every day right out of the shoot anyway, because they've got so many moving parts. That is true. Although part of the, you know, the, the other side of that, I guess would be the ability to take advantage of those moving parts to have everybody healthy. Because if you go into it saying, well, Matt Duffy's only going to play every other day to start or, you know, don't play him day game after night game or don't play him on the turf, but wait till you get on the grass to play him every day, you know, then it does limit your flexibility because that's kind of the beauty of it is that, you know, we were joking uh, when I helped you out during the game on Monday on the radio that, you know, Kevin Cash used 151 lineups last year and wouldn't. I might take the over on that for this year because there's so many combinations. I mean, Joey Wendell can play second. Joey Wendell can play short. Joey Wendell can play third. Daniel Robertson can play second, short, and third. And, you know, either one of those guys last year was shown they could run out in the outfield if they needed to. William Damas is going to play short, but if somehow things worked out weird, he can play second. Matt Duffy, we know, can play third. Part of the plan was to get him in to play the outfield. So we've seen so many guys move around. Brandon Lau can play second. Now he can play first. He can play left or right. So there's just so many possibilities, and the outfielders moving around the different spots out there. So it really creates a lot of options, which, as you say, they can cover for Matt Duffy, but it also could limit them conversely. Certainly understandable. In terms of options, the Rays do have options with their bullpen now too and that's really the decisions other than Matt Duffy's health I mean it's been a boring camp from that regard that's really all we're talking about right now is the bullpen options now yeah there's some years when the last bullpen spot or two is is kind of a paragraph or two or it might be like a little notebook item or maybe the lead notebook item on the last day but we've talked and written about it a lot because that really is the only competition left and you know we think we think it's a Hunter Wood and Emilio Pagan from the right side for one spot, and we think it's Jalen Beeks or Adam Kalarik or maybe even Hobie Milner for one spot from the left side. But, you know, Wilbur Font hasn't pitched that great. You know, is he going to definitely be on the team or not? We thought he was earlier. Um, you know, Oliver Drake has shown pretty well. He's pitched okay. So there's some other ways they might do this, and they don't have to necessarily be beholden to one lefty and one righty. I mean, the teams that they face early on, I think, are a little more right-handed heavy. You know, but Beeks would also give them a long guy in addition to Chirinos and Yarborough, whose innings are kind of accounted for since they're planning on two opener days. So you still kind of need that long guy for, you know, there's going to be a game where Blake Snell doesn't pitch well. There's going to be a game when Charlie Morton doesn't pitch well. There may be a several games where Tyler Glasnow doesn't pitch well. There could be a game interrupted by rain. There could be a doubleheader. So there's going to be reasons where you kind of need that guy sometimes as well. And let's also remember, Ryan Yarbrough hasn't pitched more than two innings in a game yet this spring because he had the groin issue. So even if he gets stretched out to four innings, he's not stretched out as far probably as they normally would do, 75, 85 pitches, 
during spring training. So having a guy with more length like a Beeks certainly would make sense from that regard too. Yeah, it would fit in. And even Blake Snell, I mean, he had kind of the, the odd day on Saturday where he pitched one inning in a minor league game. And then he went and threw inside the cage and, and threw about 54 total pitches. And his math, it was four and two-thirds innings. I, I did talk to one of the coaches who said that you probably didn't document that necessarily accurately. It probably was more like, you know, three-plus innings. I mean, you know, where do you count the up-down, which is always what that matters. You know, how many times the pitcher gets back up to pitch after resting and sitting out. They even simulate those. And mm-hmm. in those sim games, you know, Ryan Yarbrough had one the other day, and, you know, they had him sit still for seven minutes as if his team was batting, and then go back out and throw. They really want them to get comfortable uh, simulating all of that. And as we kind of simulate the start of the season, what, what for you are the biggest questions still remaining, I mean, as we're counting down to opening day? Well, uh, the one that I seem to get from a lot of national media is, are these guys going to be any good? <laughs> you know, I, I think there's still some people who think the 90 wins last year was a little bit of uh, smoke and mirrors, you know, to use the cliche, and Certainly the opener factored into that. And, you know, some people that maybe aren't reading everything they should on TampaBay.com and listening to these podcasts, are they really going to use the opener again? And why would they? And see if you get some of those questions. I get a lot of questions about Brent Honeywell when he's going to be ready. I think there's a lot of fantasy baseball players who must be putting him in their leagues. And, you know, it's funny. People don't seem to grasp that he can finish his rehab in mid-May, third week of May, whenever it ends up, you know, 30 days after they put him on it. And not necessarily come to the big leagues and not necessarily win every game he pitches, not necessarily win the Cy Young and the MVP award. I mean, he may go to the minors. He may be held back. He may not be ready to pitch in the big leagues. He may not dominate in the big leagues right away. The Rays may want to bank some of his innings knowing he could be a weapon for them later in the year if they do make a playoff run. So, you know, that's been one of the more interesting questions. But I, I think, you know, from the in, looking at it internally, or I think it's what you're getting at, you know, I just think how this is going to play. There were some young guys last year that – did really well that were unproven. And, and, you know, Joey Wendell comes to mind, Willie Adamas, you know, first time in the big leagues for him. You know, Austin Meadows kind of inconsistent. G-Man Choi. I mean, there's a lot of guys where the Rays are banking on them continuing what they did last year. And even Blake Snell and, and Kevin Cash, you know, had a little fun with me the other day when I said some guys get to, you know, win a big award, they have a great season, and they plateau. And he's like, if that's a plateau, I'll take it. Sign me up for the next 10 years of 21 and 5, you know. And, so I, I get his point, but there are some guys that did really well last year, and it'll be curious to see how they do this year. It will, and it should make for an entertaining season. We certainly appreciate the entertainment you've provided here in spring training. Mark, thanks very much for being with us in Port Charlotte. Anytime, Neil, and the fact that you know we're going to be out of Port Charlotte the next few days is just, I really have to wrap my arms around that, and I'm really happy to do that. Well, Mark obviously has gotten his tanning in for the season, and we'll be back indoors next week, as we will too. From here, let's kind of focus on the opening day roster. Now, the next two interviews I did are not guys who likely are going to make the opening day roster, but I think they still made a pretty good impression in terms of the fight for the Rays' bullpen, and I could see both of them impacting the Rays' team at some point this year. Cole Sulzer, a righty, Hobie Milner, a lefty, both came to the race in very different ways. Sulzer was traded from Cleveland, and I had a chance to ask him what it was like when he found out the news. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a surprise for me. I was actually uh, on my way to work out and training for the day, so I was in the car driving and got a phone call from uh, our assistant GM with the Indians and kind of let me know what, what happened, and it was definitely a surprise. And then I got a call from uh, you know Eric Neander, the GM here with the Rays, and welcomed me to the organization, and I was obviously very excited about it. What excited you about 
the move because it's your first time outside the Cleveland organization. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the first thing overall that excited me was just a new opportunity. So, I mean, I've enjoyed my time with the Cleveland Indians for sure, but I was really excited to come to an organization that is willing to try new things, you know, values analytics a lot and everything like that. And that's kind of more how my mind works a little bit is on the analytical side. And so I was really excited about the opportunity to be part of an organization that is, you know, really on the forefront of that. You're a bright guy. You're a Dartmouth guy. Um, how much analytics were used with the Indians? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I mean, they used a fair amount for sure. They used a, a good amount of analytics, especially in recent years. Um, but just I've heard really good things here with the Rays. And so I was definitely excited to try to get a, you know, a new take on things and see kind of where they stand on everything. And so I was really excited for that opportunity. How do you think it can help you grow? Um, a lot of it, I think, is just a better understanding of who you are as a pitcher. There's all things, or any player, uh, there's all things we do very well and things we may not be so great at. And so having a little bit more of a quantifiable look at, at those and put them in numbers can make it either easier to understand or easier to uh, kind of get behind and trust. Um, and so for me, I think that's been a, a helpful point in recent years, and I'm hoping to continue that progress here. As you, from what you know about yourself, and our fans probably haven't seen a lot of you, what are your strengths? Uh, for me, I think uh, fastball is definitely one of my strengths, location-wise, and hopefully the ability to miss barrels. Uh, that's kind of what I've been working on the last couple of years, and so consistency, throwing strikes, not letting anyone have free passes if I, if I can help it, and trying to you know miss barrels, get some strikeouts, generate some weak contact, so... Are you a, a guy who drops down a little bit? Are you over the top? Are you uh, three-quarters? Yeah, pretty much uh, over the top to three-quarters. Uh, and so that's kind of, I guess, you know, I guess you would call me your kind of stock, typical right-handed reliever. Uh, at the same time, I feel like I can, you know, command the zone pretty well. And so that's uh, something I'm hoping to do here. Familiarity obviously helps when you're a new organization. There's certainly a fair number of guys who've been with Cleveland. Joey Wendell was in the Indians organization at one point. Yanni Diaz obviously came over with you in the trade. Ryan Merritt, who's here as a free agent. How much does that help? You just feel a, a comfort level with a new group? Oh, it definitely helps. Having some familiar faces that you either know by name or that you've played with before definitely is uh, helpful transitioning into a new environment. But I will say, even the guys I, I don't know coming in here, it's been very welcoming so far. And so it's getting to know some of the new guys I didn't have a chance to obviously know before coming here. That's Cole Salser, who certainly has made a, a pretty good impression uh, in his uh, first stint with the Rays, and obviously, hopefully, he's picked the brain of one Chaz Rowe. Uh, in fact, I chatted with him this week, and he still was hoping to speak with Chad in greater detail about his slider. Their sliders, their look very similar, um, and Cole Salser, I think, again, could have an impact on the Rays' bullpen. Now, I mentioned that Cole was traded. Hopey Milner a little bit different. He had a choice about joining with the, uh, joining the Rays for this spring training. In fact, he was passed through waivers and then elected to stay with the organization. And I asked him why. Uh, no, it's been great. Um, I really enjoyed over here. Um, it's pretty relaxed. It's a young clubhouse. Um, everyone's out here getting their, their work done and they're having fun at the field. And uh, it's just a really positive environment to be in, and it's really nice. How? Uh, what have you picked up in this camp? Because obviously you came from a different, not a different environment, but uh, you know you've been with Philly your entire career before last year. What have you learned since coming over here, and how, how do you think it'll help you going forward? Um, you know, I kind of I took a little different mindset coming into the season. I just told myself, you know, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to just enjoy being at the field and stuff. And, you know, as, as you're coming up, you, you kind of you put this pressure on yourself and you can make it not fun sometimes. And um, I think with this atmosphere in this clubhouse, they kind of allow you to have fun and enjoy yourself. And um, it's just been 
it's just I don't know it's just been a lot more fun this spring and I, I just I'm doing better I'm enjoying it more so it's I guess that's what I'm taking away from it is just like come to the field enjoy yourself get your work done and things will work out the stuff looks obviously very crisp coming out are there any adjustments mechanically that you've made going into this year with your stuff yeah I, um, I made a couple adjustments one my arm slots a little lower than it was last year last year I kind of crept up from 2017 I went I was kind of getting above my shoulder and stuff was flattening out it was a little harder but it wasn't um, um, wasn't as effective and so I'm just kind of working on get my arm a little bit lower and get my front foot down sooner and those are really my two keys right now. How has it been to work with Kyle? Um, obviously, he's working with a lot of pitchers at once, but at the same time, he has a very good reputation for being very individualized. Um, you know, he's a great pitching coach. I haven't had to do too much with him mechanically. Um, my stuff's been working, and they haven't messed with me so far, so it's uh, it's it's been fine. And you had a choice this offseason, too. Um, you had you could have become a free agent, right? What made you decide that the Rays were the right place to keep going with? Um, I mean, I saw the way they used their bullpen last year, and I know um, that they're competing. So, like, if you're pitching well, they'll give you an opportunity in the big leagues. So, I mean, you go to a place that's, that's not competing, and you may not get a chance even if you're pitching really well because they just want to put their guys that are in their future in the big leagues. And I think... Uh, playing with a contender gives you an opportunity especially a, a team that is so bullpen heavy um it will give you an opportunity to be in the big leagues if you can produce so and i know that they also have a couple guys who may end up putting on the 60 day at some point too because they're going to be out for a good part so that also gives the roster flexibility for guys not on the roster now as well yeah exactly i mean at all that's kind of irrelevant when, like, I just got to pitch well. So uh, if I pitch well, I'll, I'll be rewarded. And if not, I'll, we'll see. You um, you also got married this off season. Congratulations. How much does that also give you a, a settled mindset, knowing you've got that? I know you've got that ongoing support, but that support overall that you've got day in, day by day, and you're, you know, you're now together formally. Um, honestly, that, that does play a big, big factor for me. Like, I feel like... I don't put as much pressure on myself at the field because I've got the the safety net back home. You know, I've got you know my life figured out, and uh, I don't have to stress so much when I'm at the field. I can come enjoy myself and play. Yeah. And beyond that, um, I was also curious your take on what's changed um, in Major League Baseball with the rules. Uh, you know, they talk about the use of lefties, but you seem to be a guy who can face lefties or righties. Does it matter to you that there's a I don't know if it's a true three batter minimum because you can finish an inning and then not have to come out. But what was your thought when you saw some of the changes proposed and what's going to take place? Um, it's really hard to say. I think, I mean, in the last couple of years, I haven't gotten righties out as well <laughs> as I should be. Um, but I think the three batter minimum will give gives you an opportunity to stand out more, I guess, as a lefty. Like if you can get righties out, you can be more valuable than a lefty who can't. And, um, I mean, I don't know if that's going to help me or hurt me, but um, I'm just going to focus on getting everyone out and whatever happens, happens. And I guess the, the 26th man could have been a little, could have been useful in the past couple of years for me. But um, I think, I don't know, that's hard to, hard to say what's going to happen too with the 28 guys in September. Like I maybe 
probably wouldn't have been in the big leagues in September last year had that rule been in effect last year. So I'm not sure. I guess we'll just have to see. And we will see that as Hobie Milner on the three batter minimum, which takes place in 2020, really it's not a true three batter minimum because you can come in and face a batter to end an inning and really then you only need one hitter and you're done. Um, you could face just two. But uh, if you're in there at the beginning of, beginning of an inning, you're going to have to face three. But that's really the only situation where there that's a guarantee. Uh, certainly be curious to see how he fares this year, and obviously we'll be focusing on that. Now, talk to some other players who came through uh, uh, spring training as we kind of wind things down here on our latest podcast. And Emilio Bonifacio is not a guy who I think you can guarantee is going to contribute at some point this year. I think probably Cole Sulser, Hobie Milner, we just heard from are better chances. But players really have raved about the impact that Emilio has had on them, especially some of the youngsters. Uh, 33-year-old, 33 years of age now is Emilio. Willie Adamas said he's been a great veteran in camp. And I asked Emilio a little bit about his choice to join the race. Um, uh, they started calling him, and I saw the team that got more interest uh, to me. So that's why right, uh, we have like really like a, like a lot of choice. Like couple teams call, but they never execute anything. So that's the, the team like really want me. How much have you enjoyed this camp? Oh, that's that's awesome. You know, being around like really young and talented team. So that's that's made me be in, in their age. So. And the way they run the springs so, so far, that's, that's pretty good. And you've gotten the chance to move around, play a lot of different spots. I guess for you, that's what you're looking for? Yeah, that's, that's kind of like part of my game and where I can help the team, you know, with my versatility, playing everywhere. So at the end, you know, something like I can just can't control, you know, try to do my best everywhere. And, and at the end, they're going to decide. You obviously love the game a lot because, to me, to play, I've been in independent ball. To play independent ball, you have to still love the game. Is Was that hard for you last year? Uh, yeah, because in one point, I just kind of, like, prefer to stay at home with my family and my age and tell me just go there and keep playing if you want to, you know, don't be away. Don't you stay, like, stay away from the game. So you just... At least you see them at bat and you keep your body in shape. So, but at the same time, you know, it was like really hard be all the time, like, you know, in the comfort being the major league and, and around the, the game. And <clears throat> it was really hard. But at the end, like you say, the, the passion and the love for the game make you do it. And I guess you can have a pretty good impact on these guys here. I know you've you've hung around Willie a lot. How much have you enjoyed getting to know him? No, that's I know from <clears throat> I know him a little bit from winter ball. And he's he's the guy like you always ask him, and he wanna learn and he wanna do better. <clears throat> because my experience around the league, so he always asks me, and I always tell him him anything I see. So he's a really good guy. So you've been around some really good players, some really good talented teams. What do you think of this group this year? Like I said, that's really young, really good talent, man. And last season, tell you, like, win a 90-win season in this division is really hard, so that's telling you they really are a really good team and they're really comfy. And how do you see yourself helping as a veteran to help some of these guys? And you're helping one, I know, and Willie. No, all, the, all those guys won't have a chance at Eddie. Um, I played with Abby and with Velasquez too. When we, I, 
I give it him like a couple tips about bunting and stuff and stolen bases. So everything, everything, uh, every time I have a chance to um, help him out, I will. And you played winter ball again this past year or no? Uh, yeah, for right now, yes. So let's see how it goes. And we'll certainly see how it goes. Hopefully a very good season ahead for Emilio Bonifacio, who's now been part of Major League Baseball in 11 different seasons and uh, hoping that the Rays are the latest club on his journey. Now, Major League Baseball spring training is old hat for Emilio Bonifacio, but for Mac James, a sixth-round pick in 2014, and believe it or not, a former walk-on at Oklahoma, this is his first camp. He's probably gotten a little more playing time than you would have expected, in part because of the injury to Anthony Bemboom. So I asked him what this camp has been like. I mean, just learning from the other guys, talking with Zunino a lot. Obviously, I've been with Shufo forever. I mean, it's been... Comfortable and un- uncomfortable at the same time, just learning from everybody. But because I know so many of the staff members already, I've been around for a while, that I haven't been too uncomfortable. When you found out you were going to big league camp, how did you find out and what did it mean? Uh, Jeff McLaren called me and just said, hey, we're inviting you to be one of our internal invites. And, I mean, it, it was exciting. I felt like I was going to go, but it, you never really know. So it was just kind of wait, 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 and then finally had some reassurance. When you found out you were going, what were you hoping to get out of the whole experience? What was your goal? Um, to stay here as long as I could. I mean, obviously I know I probably wasn't going to make the team, and that wasn't the goal, but it was just to get ready for season and be get better working with Hoove. I've been with Hoove forever, so get more time with him and get ready for season. Most race fans don't know a ton about you. I guess on the field, um, you look at your numbers and you seem like a catch-and-throw guy who's a good contact hitter. Is that kind of how you see yourself? Yeah, I would say last year, obviously, offensively, I was not good at all. In the past, I have been offensive. Like So in high, I was the offensive guy and wasn't a catch-throw guy. And the longer I've been here, the more catch-throw I've been. I would say, yeah, now more of a defensive guy that will hit a little bit. And so hopefully continue to grow offensively and obviously defensively too, but more so on the defensive side of the ball. How has Mike helped you? How has Mikey helped you? You obviously have two pretty good catchers here in camp at the top. I think just talking about little small intricate details with both of them, like with Mikey on receiving, with Mike just on calling the game and talking to pitchers, controlling staff because he's done it for so long. And with, I mean, I played against Mikey two years ago and he was good then, like, so we know a little bit about each other, but Mikey's a catch-and-throw guy, so I can always take away some of his throwing stuff and stuff like that. And you obviously know a fair amount of the pitchers coming into camp, but I'm sure there are some you haven't yeah. known before. What's it been like catching a new group and learning a lot of guys? I think that's the most important part of catching and being a defensive guy is learning those guys as quick as possible so when you get in the game, you're comfortable. So if you're not comfortable in the game, you're not going to receive well. You're not going to catch and throw well. So it's been... It was good because we all were kind of on the same page, all the catchers, as far as catching a new guy every day or early before game started. So you get that work in early. That way, at the game, you're good. You know what they have and shapes and everything. So You're not, you know, obviously you don't want to see injuries happen, but with Anthony, you've gotten probably a little more playing time too. For sure, yeah. No, he's going to be okay. He'll be out a little bit, but hopefully he gets back quicker than normal. So... It's helped me, but, I mean, obviously I just want him to get better. Your whole path, obviously you were originally brought in by the Rays organization, but how did you become a catcher to begin with? And were you another position guy when you were in college at all too? 
I was a utility guy, so in high school I played third and caught every other game. In junior college I played shortstop and caught two times a week. And at OU I would play left, first, third, catch, kind of wherever we needed me. And then Pro Bowl is the first time I was actually a full-time catcher, catch every day. And I would guess that Hoove has been especially helpful because he started out as a shortstop, as most people may or may not know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he he understands how to teach in different ways, different languages, to so you can understand it in every aspect. But So I would be playing first. I got a lot of bats at first base in high A, and, I mean, I just try to get at bats anywhere I can. And certainly we appreciate Mac James for joining us on the program, along with Emilio Bonifacio, Hobie Milner, Cole Sulcer, and, of course, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. This is our final podcast from spring training. Uh, We will have a countdown to opening day show that airs this weekend where you'll hear from pitching coach Kyle Snyder and also Mike Zanino. And then, of course, we get ready for the opener on Thursday. Uh, And then after that, we'll have our first This Week in Rays baseball program on the first Sunday of the regular season. Thanks very much for being with us. We will talk to you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.